This is Hot and Dry, a podcast about climate change in New Mexico and what the hell we should do about it. I'm Colin Haffey and I'm Kelly Carswell and this is our first episode. So you might be wondering, who are these people? Well, basically we're just two people who live in New Mexico and are worried about climate change. I'm a fire ecologist, and for the past few years, I've been working to understand the consequences of catastrophic fires in New Mexico and how we can avoid them. And I'm a journalist who covers the environment in the Western US. This season, we're going to be looking at the big climate issues facing our state, how our new governor and the legislature might tackle them and what we can do to help. This is a really interesting and important moment for New Mexico. On the one hand, we're in the midst of an absolutely giant oil and gas boom. Right now, there are only two states that produce more oil than New Mexico. As a result, the state is sitting on a billion dollar budget surplus. It's about a sixth of our general fund. People are just drunk on the surpluses. At the same time, climate change is hitting our state hard. It's threatening some of our most basic resources. Water is a big one. We need it to live. And so if we don't, if we don't get out in front of this and start thinking about how we're going to survive in an era that's we're going to be dealing with dramatically less, um, we're going to be in real trouble. As people here and around the globe burn fossil fuels to produce energy, temperatures are going up. And in New Mexico, hotter means drier. Climate change poses huge existential questions for our state. Like, will we still be able to produce our own food, and will we still have trees in our mountains? Will we still have water in our rivers? Will cities have to stop building houses because they're short on water? Now we have a Democratic governor and a legislature who have promised to take climate change seriously. We have a lot of issues, some money, but it won't last forever. So the question is, what do we want to do? What realistically can we do, and how quickly can we do it? So today we're going to talk about the big picture of where the science stands right now. And then we'll talk with Denise Fort and Carol Romero-Worth about this big political shift that's underway in New Mexico right now. The blue wave of 2018 was also a green wave in New Mexico, and we're going to look at the opportunity that presents for beginning to get real about climate change. Okay, so we wanted to start out today by just talking about some big picture climate science. And Colin here is our resident science guy, sort of. <laughs> sort of, yeah, Do you accept that of. role? <laughs> Reluctantly. <laughs> okay, so uh, what is the science telling us about where we stand with climate change right now? Well, we've known for a long time that the Earth is getting warmer, and we've known for a long time that, the, that humans are the cause of that. What we've learned in the last several months, mostly from a report that came out from the IPCC, was that climate is warming faster than previously anticipated, and that our time frame for dealing with it is a little bit shorter. So essentially, we have about 12 years to kind of keep, if we're, if we're hoping to keep warming under 1.5 degrees. So yeah, this IPCC report made a lot of noise this fall, and it was kind of interesting because it actually seemed to shock people in a way that climate science rarely seems to really shock people. Um, and I think one of the reasons for that is because it had this very specific timetable in it, and it was really short. Um, the takeaway kind of that people have probably heard about is that the scientists were saying, we essentially have 12 years to solve this problem or else we're doomed, which may be slightly hyperbolic, but maybe actually not. Yeah, maybe slightly hyperbolic. I mean, we might not be doomed, but certain 
aspects of the things that we care about on this planet might be doomed. Things like coral reefs, forests, um, and ocean side towns. Um, those things might, those things might be doomed if we get much higher than 1.5 degrees. And, and the news here was essentially that the scientists were saying, we're going to get to the, we're going to get to these points where we see these really big changes that we don't want a lot quicker than we thought. Yeah, that's right. That's the, that's the take home. If we want to stay anywhere close to 1.5 degrees, we have essentially 12 years to to cut our carbon emissions in half. And then after that, we have to transition to zero carbon emissions by 2050. So those are pretty astronomical goals. But anything that we can do that gets us close to that is going to improve life for all humans on the planet, no doubt, and probably life for all of the other sort of critters and systems that we care about. Okay, so these kind of warnings, even though they're global in nature, I think are particularly sobering when you live in a state like New Mexico, where it seems at least like we've been seeing these changes in real time on the ground for quite a while now. Um, We've lived through fires like the Las Conchas. We have lived through winters like last year, where we barely saw any snowpack in the mountains, and we saw our major river that is the lifeblood of our state going dry in the spring. Um, So what does all this mean for New Mexico? What are the big changes we're seeing and what can we expect to see in the future? I think what we know in the future, kind of looking forward, is that temperatures are gonna go up. I mean, all of the models that the climate scientists use show that temperatures will go up in the Southwest. So with higher temperatures, wildfires are likely to get more severe, potentially become more common and definitely occur longer throughout the throughout the seasons. It's likely that snow will melt faster and not last as long into the spring. Um, I think a great metaphor for sort of where we where we're going to be at in the near future comes from Dr. David Gutzler who just who just testified in front of the House Energy Environment and Natural Resource Committee and he sort of said that basically if you look into the near future Albuquerque is going to look a lot like El Paso and El Paso is fine and great, but um, if you look outside of the at the mountains in El Paso, there's no trees. And it's really hot in El Paso. Yeah. Uh, a pretty interesting distinction here is that there is actually quite a bit of uncertainty about how climate change will affect the amount of precipitation we get in the desert southwest. But that almost doesn't matter because warming has such a powerful effect here. And there's a lot of certainty that it's going to get warmer. What that means in a dry environment is warming equals more dry, right? Less water. Yeah, that's totally right. So a hot atmosphere acts like a stronger vacuum and it just sucks more moisture out of the trees, out of the vegetation, out of the soil itself. Snow evaporates and subliminates faster. All these things are compounded by hotter temperatures. So these changes are a very big deal in New Mexico. They're raising questions like, are we still going to have agriculture in northern New Mexico? So you mentioned that in, I think, the first week of the legislative session, uh, the House heard from a climate scientist. So it seems like these things are on the minds of our leaders in the state, as well as a lot of our residents. Oh, yeah, definitely. During that committee hearing, actually, Dr. Getzler was asked a question by one of the committee members and basically he asked 
how can we afford to deal with with this problem in a state like New Mexico, where, you know, even if we got our act together, we might not have that big of an impact um, as one state, right? A small population state of relatively poorer state. And essentially the response during this kind of back and forth was, you know, how can we afford not to deal with this? The world is, is heading in this direction towards mitigating and adapting to climate change. New Mexico has a lot of great opportunities and sure some challenges, but I think it's up to us now to try to figure out ways that we can take advantage of those opportunities and kind of move forward. Well, I think that's a perfect spot to stop and hear from Denise Fort and Carol Romero-Worth. So I talked to them because they've spent the last eight months thinking about just this thing. And after talking to a bunch of different people, they put together an environmental agenda for New Mexico. So first off, here's who they are. I'm, I'm Denise Ford, and I'm, uh, I've been an environmental activist and lawyer for a long time. So most recently, a professor at the University of New Mexico School of Law. I'm Carol Romero-Worth, and I'm a lawyer with a master's degree in public policy. Uh, I was a student of Denise's uh, way back when, and um, now I do public policy work. In later episodes of this podcast, we're going to dig into specific issues like methane and renewable energy policy and water, but I wanted to talk to Denise and Carol first to talk bigger picture about how the political landscape has changed and what that means for environmental policy. So yeah, what do they have to say about this change in the governor's office? So that was probably the most important election this fall, and they told me that the election of Michelle Lujan Grisham is basically a sea change for environmental policy. So there's two reasons for that. One is that things like renewable energy were a central part of the new governor's campaign. But the other reason is that the outgoing governor, Susana Martinez, was really seen by the environmental community as pretty hostile to their issues. I'm I'm trying to think of uh, synonyms for beholden. So I had asked Denise to pick one word to describe the Martinez administration's approach to the environment, and this is what she said. Uh, Beholden to the oil and gas industry, I think it has been really was the main theme of uh, environmental work. And so that that was the uh, industry that helped get her into office so significantly. And she came in with and and took some actions that, um, that were favorable to that industry. Carol put it slightly differently. I'm not sure I'd pick a word, but I would say that what we've been doing for the last eight years under the Martinez administration is fighting for the status quo. We have mostly been knocking down uh, bad legislation and been unable to move forward in positive ways. So tell me how this played out over the last eight years. All right. Well, it played out a couple ways. So there were certain rules that the administration rolled back, like rules to protect groundwater from pollution, from mining and oil and gas drilling. Before Martinez took office, New Mexico was also starting to make some moves to cut its greenhouse gas emissions, and that stopped. And then there were big cuts to the state agencies that are charged with regulating industry and enforcing environmental rules. I mean, one of the things is that Governor Martinez didn't... um wasn't interested in governing and didn't believe in government as a means of providing solutions to our problems. So there were lots of cuts um, to the agencies that regulate and uh, develop policy around the environment. And so they just weren't able to do their jobs. It's almost kind of the nuts and bolts that the public doesn't see so much. Perhaps the most devastating effects were actually in cutting agency budgets and 
um, at least at the environment department, people were shifted around. You know, some, someone who's an expert in air quality finds himself head of a very different bureau the next day and so on. So there was a lot of attrition. So this is pretty interesting because it's sort of like a precursor to what we're seeing at the national level now. You're talking about the things that are happening at the EPA and the Interior Department. Yeah, so it sounded really similar to what's going on now at those federal agencies, where you have political appointees with really close ties to industry, there are declines in enforcement of environmental laws, a lot of staff attrition, and that leads to this overall kind of loss of expertise in the agency, which generally makes it harder for them to do their jobs. And overall, this just kind of lack of belief in government and regulation as tools for protecting public goods like clean air and clean water. So with the new leadership in New Mexico, what's changed? Okay, well, a couple things. One is the dynamic at the legislature. For the last eight years, there was no reason to send up legislation or have your members take votes on things that you absolutely knew were going to get vetoed. It was just wasted energy. So that kind of means that proactive efforts to advance environmental policy were basically just stalled out. They just weren't happening the last eight years in the legislature. And that's definitely changed. There are already a slew of environmental bills being introduced this session. So in in this environment, uh, we have the House and Senate controlled by the Democrats. We have a Democratic governor. And I think that their values and ideas are a lot more aligned. That doesn't mean there's not going to be some disagreements and um, some work to be done on what legislation looks like ultimately. But I think um, we're in a we're sitting in a position now where uh, a lot of the ideas that need to be happening can actually be worked on and brought forward. And we have a governor who will actually sign them into law. So it's it's a complete sea change. Um, in terms of what can happen in the state. All right, that sounds like a lot. What are some of the top priorities? Well, climate change is a big one for the governor. Because she has made a very strong commitment on methane. Are you talking about methane? Like methane from parts? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, actually. And oil and gas. Methane, like carbon dioxide, is a greenhouse gas. So it's one of these pollutants that contributes to climate change. And New Mexico has a very special methane problem. In the Four Corners, there's what they call this methane hotspot, which means there's just super high concentrations of the pollution there. There's a lot of oil and gas production in that part of the state, and those operations emit methane. But this methane pollution is not regulated by the state at all, and there was a move to regulate it under federal law during the Obama administration. But Trump is trying to roll that back, and it's all tied up in court. So that dynamic is really putting the onus on the state to do the regulation itself if it wants to do anything about this problem. We have to do something about methane. We're obviously not going to have any federal regulation for the next two years, at least, of methane. So we have to address it on the state level, as Colorado has done. And she's made a very good commitment about doing that. So Governor Lujan Grisham, she talked a lot about renewable energies during her campaign. And I know it's pretty early in the session, but have those campaign promises turned into any substantial action, or are they headed towards any sort of substantial action? Well, they definitely seem headed that way. So the energy in this room, I think, is the effort to carry us tomorrow and the next day and every day to a clean energy state, and there's no reason that New Mexico can't be the So that's her making a speech at a clean energy conference in Santa Fe earlier this week. 
encouraging a bunch of environmentalists who are gathered there in the room to go lobby their legislature for some bills that would advance renewable energy. So there are a bunch of these that will be under consideration at the legislature this year. The big one would move the state toward getting 40% of its electricity from renewables by 2030 and 80% by 2040. And we're going to talk about that in more detail next week. So we've been presented with these goals of reducing emissions, increasing our renewable energy production, but how do we get there in a state that is, according to Denise, beholden to oil and gas? Isn't our big budget surplus because of oil and gas? Yeah, so our big budget surplus is because of oil and gas, and you really raise a great question here. So like, how does the fact that we're in the middle of this big oil and gas boom that's benefiting the state financially a lot figure into its simultaneous ambitious new climate goals? Um, It's a big question, and there's really no simple answer here. Um, There's a lot to unpack also. So a couple important things to understand. First, when we're talking about increasing renewable energy, we're talking about how we generate electricity. We do not get electricity from oil and gas. So those renewable goals really have nothing to do with oil and gas. This effort we're going to see this year to regulate methane emissions from oil and gas, it'll probably happen through state agencies, and it will, in theory, reduce the industry's climate impact. But of course, it won't eliminate it because the oil and gas we dig out of the ground here in New Mexico is shipped off somewhere and burned. And honestly, there's not really a whole lot that the state can do about that. I think for the environmental community, for the most part, we've been talking about, you know, protecting lands, like protecting areas near Chaco. We've been talking about cleaning up the methane emissions. But it, you know, as Bill McKibben said about coal, you know, if if we burn all the oil and gas that's in the Permian Basin, it's game over. And frankly, I don't think that's on New Mexico's policy agenda. So one of the reasons for that is just because it is this big, complicated problem, and there's not really an easy solution for sort of weaning the state off of oil and gas financially. Um, Although there might be some incremental steps that we'll see people start to pursue, and we'll talk about that later this season. Also, a lot of the drilling that happens in New Mexico happens on federal land, and state and local governments have a really limited say in what happens there. Still, there are definitely some big picture things that the state needs to be thinking about. I think it speaks to our need to diversify our funding sources. I think there is uh, thinking going on on that end. Oil and gas is a huge piece of of the state's budget. So we need to look at diversifying our our revenue sources. I think people are actually looking at that. Um, It also speaks of the need to transition and transition quickly uh, to renewables so that we have other alternatives besides oil and gas to just power our economy. So, um, and and people are working on that too. You know, are people talking about leaving it in the ground? Not so much, but I think we are talking about some of the other things that will help us move forward. Okay, so that's a big picture view of what the landscape looks like in New Mexico right now. Next week, we're going to dig into the details of these legislative efforts to give renewable energy a big boost in the state, chief among them this renewable portfolio standard, which is the thing that would push the state to get a lot more of its energy from things like solar and wind. You can find the podcast on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, um, other platforms. Please let us know if there's one that you can't find and we'll get it uploaded ASAP. 
You can follow us on Twitter at Hot Dry Pod and visit our website at hotdry.org to sign up for our mailing list. We'll let you know about new episodes and include links to other climate-related things we're reading. Yeah, please sign up for our mailing list. I can't keep spamming my family with these. I can't keep only spamming my family with these updates. We want to create a newsletter, but we need people to send it to. <laughs> um, okay, what's on deck on the science side next week, Colin? Next week, we're going to answer the question, is this really a good winter or not? It seems so snowy, but is it? And ask the question, is this a good snowpack year or just a slightly less crappy snowpack year? Should we put that slightly differently here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're happy it's snowing and hope you are too. And we'll try to get better at this podcasting thing. And we'll see you next week.